Praise God, the Lamb has overcome. Amen? Amen. This morning, we're going to be reading from the Gospel of John from in chapter 18, uh, verses 1 through 4. And then we will move over to chapter 20, uh, verses 11 through 18. And this morning, I'm reading from the uh, CSB, the Christian Standard Bible. And as we read, I want you to take note of the question that Jesus answers, or that he asks in the two different chapters. He's going to ask the same question. Would you now please stand with me if you're physically able, in honor and reverence for the reading of God's Word. John chapter 18, beginning in verse 1. After Jesus had said these things, he went out with his disciples across the Kidron Valley, where there was a garden, and he and his disciples went into it. Judas, who betrayed him, also knew the place, because Jesus often met there with his disciples. So Judas took a company of soldiers, and some officials from the chief priests and the Pharisees came there with lanterns, torches, and weapons. Then Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, went out and said to them, Who is it? That you're seeking. And then in chapter 20, beginning in verse 11, and this is now Easter morning. But Mary stood outside the tomb crying. As she was crying, she stopped to look into the tomb. She saw two angels in white sitting where Jesus' body had been lying, one at the head, the other at the feet. And they said to her, Woman, why are you crying? Because they've taken my, away my Lord, she told them, and I don't know where they've put him. Having said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know it was Jesus. Woman, Jesus said to her, why are you crying? Who is it that you're seeking? Supposing he was the gardener, she replied, sir, if you've carried him away, tell me where you've put him, and I will take him away. Jesus said to her, Mary. Turning around, she said to him in Aramaic, Rabbani, which means teacher. Do not cling to me, Jesus told her, since I have not yet ascended to, my, to the Father. But, I, but go to my brothers and tell them that I am ascending to my Father and your Father to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them what he had said to her. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, that it speaks powerfully to all of us. Father, just as your spirit has led us to this point, as we have prayed and sang and listened and fellowshiped and, and done all these other things to worship you. Father, now as your word is read and proclaimed, God, may your Holy Spirit be active and at work in our hearts, and may we be open and sensitive to what you have to say to us and how you want to change us to make us more like Jesus. Thank you for your love and for your Son, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. You can be seated. 
Isn't it interesting that Jesus would ask the same question to Judas, the soldiers, the religious leaders who came out to him at night with torches and and weapons, that he would ask Easter morning in the garden to Mary. Who is it that you're seeking? Who are you looking for? I think it's astounding and astonishing that he asked the exact same question to both. And as I pondered that this week, I realized that all of us, in one way or another, seek Jesus. All of us, in one way or another, have to deal with Jesus. All of us have to contend with the Son of God, who he is and what that means to us. And so the question is, how do we seek him? How do we approach Jesus of Nazareth? How do we treat him? How do we relate to him? How do we look to him? And this morning, through these two encounters, I want us to think about the possibilities. Well, first, we see this group. Again, they're Judas and soldiers and religious leaders, and they they come with the the torches and the, the weapons. And they come and they seek Jesus. They approach him consumed by prejudice. Consumed by prejudice. That is, they've come to Jesus and they have his, who he is and what he's going to do. They have their minds up all made up already. They don't see God for who he is. They've simply made their minds up. They've said, well, I know who God is. I don't really have to listen. I don't have to learn. I'm smart. I'm worldly wise, I know what's going on. And so they looked at him through these eyes of prejudice, which were not open to seeing the truth. Judas would look at Jesus as a disappointment. The Bible tells us that Judas never believed. He wasn't one who believed and then, you know, got a little discouraged and walked away. No, the Bible makes it clear in the Gospel of John that Judas never believed. He'd been riding along enjoying the crowds, enjoying the money that he was pilfering, enjoying the attention and fame that came along with being one in the inner circle of Jesus' disciples. But Judas had decided it was time to get off the train. And so he couldn't, didn't think he was getting much more out of Jesus. Jesus started talking about all this dying business. Well, he might as well find a way to profit And so he turns his betrayal into 30 pieces of silver. The soldiers also had a prejudiced view of Jesus. To them, he was just just another nobody, rebellious Jew, worthy of death. They had no idea that, that he was the son of God. He was Jesus, a common name in that time. He was just an average, ordinary Jew, unworthy of anything special, and worthy of death. And then the religious leaders, they saw Jesus as a threat. In their minds, they did not see goodness and love and salvation. They saw a threat to who they really were. And so every single one of them saw Jesus through these eyes of prejudice. They had their own mindset and their own makeup. And I've come across, and I'm sure you have too, many people 
who've never given God even a real chance. Oh, they say they have. Oh, I've been around those church folk. I've seen how those religious people are. My blah, 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 somebody related to them or close to them. They claim they were a Christian, but I know what they did. For whatever reason, they've decided that God's not real or that God isn't worthy of their worship or that they have some legitimate claim against him. And through these eyes of prejudice, they never see Jesus. Oh, they come, they come into contact with him. We cannot avoid relating to Jesus. There is no neutrality when it comes to Jesus. We accept him or reject him, but we can't be in the middle. We all have to make a decision about Jesus. Second, some of us come to Jesus consumed by our problems. It's not that we don't believe in Jesus. It's not that we don't love Jesus. But it's just everything that's going on around us. All of our heartbreak, our failure, the things that happened to us, the things we messed up, the, the money problems, the job problems, the relationship problems, the, the raising kid problem, whatever it is, our health problems or the health of our relatives, whatever issues we have, those things have so captured us. Those things have so surrounded us that although we meet Jesus, although we seek him in some way, we are blinded to seeing who he really is. This is what Mary did. She had left. She had gone and others had been there. They ran off and she was still hanging around. She sees the two angels there. And she says, where is Jesus? And she turns around when she hears someone speaking to her. But she doesn't really see Jesus for who he is. Have any of you ever had that really embarrassing situation of you've been in a store, you needed some help, you got a question, you need a price scan, something, and you see someone, you say, hey, could you tell me? And they're like, I don't work here. Have you ever done that before? Oh, it's so embarrassing. I mean, sometimes you're not sure and you're kind of, do you work here? You know, but, but sometimes you just think, now you don't really like add it all up and, and plot it all out, but something, you know, maybe they have kind of a uniform on or, or maybe the way they're working, it looks like they're inventorying rather than shopping, but something just convinces you that they work there and, and you say, oh, can you, and, and then, you know, Never. That's like the worst insult in life, apparently, because you get that look, and no, I don't work here. And uh, you know how embarrassing that is? Well, that's exactly what Mary did. Do you realize that? The Bible said she turned around and saw this man talking to her, and she, said, she thought he was the gardener. That is, she thought he was the caretaker for the cemetery, I mean, can you imagine that? It's like the worst case you've ever done it of thinking you were getting a salesperson and it's Jesus and you think he's the gardener. Now, why do we sometimes mistake people? Well, we, we just take, like I said, these, these circumstances, situation. Maybe they're doing a certain thing or wearing a certain thing and then we make our assumption because all we're concerned about is getting help with our purchase or what we're trying to find, whatever it is. We're not really just zoned in, focused in on that person. And in this case, Mary was exactly like that. She was looking at Jesus, but not seeing him. 
And so many of us who are believers can do that same thing. We can get to this place in life where we've, we've not turned away from God. We still love God. But the hurts and the disappointments, the heartaches, the letdowns, the unexpected stuff, even just the busyness, the craziness of life has got us looking all over. And while God is there speaking to us, we don't even know it. We're oblivious to the fact that God, the resurrected Lord Jesus, that his Holy Spirit is working in our lives and speaking, and we miss it because we're consumed with all these other things. Is that how you seek Jesus? Do you seek him with prejudice, clouded by, consumed by it, or, or maybe confused by the problems of your life? Or maybe, maybe do you see Jesus and seek him captivated by his presence? You see, once Mary actually got it, she was captivated. She, when you think of captivated, what captivates you? You know, so we, we may hope that uh, that special someone in our life is captivated. Or you may hope to be captivated by someone. Some of us have watched an athlete. And we say, oh, we're captivated. Whoever your favorite athlete is. Maybe it's something, an experience that's so great which you just can't even let go. All you want to do is hold on to it. And that's why Jesus had to say to her, don't cling to me, Mary. I have not yet left. I have not yet ascended and gone to the Father. In other words, Jesus said, if you hold on to me as tight and as long as you want to, I'll never finish my job here on earth, Mary. I got to go. You got to tell the disciples that you've seen me. Because she literally threw herself at Jesus. She was captivated by him. If you're a believer, I'm going to say that there was at least one point in your life when you were captivated by Jesus, where you were in awe of him, where nothing else mattered. You couldn't be distracted. You couldn't be shaken. You wouldn't waver because when you realize the depth of your sin and the greatness of his grace, the beauty and glory of Jesus captivated you. And this is how we are supposed to come to Jesus. This is how when we have not been distorted by our own prejudices or confused by our own problems, when we really see Jesus for who he is, we are captivated. And if we're not seeing Jesus for who he is, I'm going to say that our problems or our prejudices are what's blinding us. I find humor in really, really silly things sometimes, really strange things. I mean, give me a Laffy Taffy, I'll laugh all day. You know, I love little corny jokes, and then I th th see things that aren't jokes, and I'll just, I'll just laugh. And I don't know what it is, but I'm going to tell you, uh, there's a sprinkler system, I won't say whose it is, but in our neighborhood, and it just makes me laugh. Because every day, it's on at the same time. You know, the monsoons we had a couple weeks ago? There that morning, I'm driving past, and the flooded yard is being sprinkled. More water is going on it. Why is that? It's because that sprinkler doesn't think, right? That sprinkler does just what it's used to doing. 
It's set on a timer, I'm sure, to go off and sprinkle every day at the same time. And, and you know, if that means it is, it is nurturing the parched and dry ground or if it's adding to the lake. Either way, that's what that sprinkler does. We're kind of like that, I think. We get so used to what we consider natural ways of living, like life without God. I mean, as believers, those of us who are believers here today, we would say we believe in God and he can do anything and everything, but yet we build our lives around the natural. We build our lives assuming that nothing that cannot be explained is going to happen. And so it's so easy for us to miss when God breaks through the natural with the supernatural. And that's when we need to realize that as creator of the universe, the one who designed and the one who created the laws and then goes above and beyond them, we need to understand that to God, the supernatural is natural. And if we are his people, we should not be shocked. We should not be surprised. We should just be just saying, yes, Lord, I knew that you're a God of miracles. Yes, Lord, I knew. I know that you're a God who breaks through. I know that you're a God who sees me in my average, ordinary life, and you do the extraordinary. I believe that just as Jesus met Mary in that cemetery, that garden, whatever you want to call it that day, Jesus can and will meet you at school, at work, in your home, at the ball field, at the hospital. Jesus can meet you anywhere. Jesus will meet you. But will you even see him? Will you be so wrapped up in your own stuff, your own problems, your own circumstances, your own ideas about how God should and shouldn't work, that you'll miss what he's saying to you? Or will you, like Mary, accept God's grace? And it is grace. Thank God we give that example, that she messed up and missed him at first, but he kept talking to her. When she assumed he was the gardener, he didn't run off and say, that's it, your chances are over. It's done for you, Mary. Thought you were one of mine, but not anymore. No, by his grace, he kept on pursuing her until she understood who he was. And God will do that with you. He will pursue, and he will continue to encounter you and work with you and around you in your life. And your question is not, will, the question is not, will you ever look at God with prejudice or consumed with your problems? No, we all do that at some point. The question is, will we at some point allow God's spirit to break through to us and become like Mary in that final scene to where we begin to glimpse who Jesus really is and we will cling to him and, and we will embrace him with all that we are. That is how we should seek Jesus, the risen Lord. Would you pray with me this morning? Heavenly Father, God, this Easter morning is beautiful. Not just because of the cool, crisp weather and the sunny skies, 
And not just because of all the people who are dressed in Sunday best and, and, and they're all ready and presentable outwardly. But God, this is a beautiful day because of you. Because of your son Jesus and his name being proclaimed all around this world. And some of us, maybe somebody here or listening online has never really heard about Jesus and what he's done. And today is the day that they accept him. God, perhaps there are some like Judas, the soldiers, the religious leaders, who they've got a beef with God. They're angry at God. They're full of animosity toward him. And Lord, today is the day, God, that your Holy Spirit is wooing them to put away that anger and to embrace his grace. God, some of us who are believers, we've, we've gotten far from you. And today, Lord, we need, like Mary, to do nothing more than to lunge for you to reach for you, to embrace you in all that you are, God, so that you may direct our paths just as Jesus sent Mary on her way. God, you may go with us and lead us in the path that you have for our lives. So, Lord, if there's anyone that doesn't know you, God, I pray today they would believe, that they would put their faith in you through your son, Jesus Christ. And for those of us who have begun that relationship with you, Father, however we may have drifted, however we may have gotten over being captivated by you, Lord, may your glory, your grace, and your love enamor us and captivate us. And God, may we all give our all to you. Lord Jesus, we pray and we ask these things in Jesus' name, amen.